What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And this is another edition of Pillow Talk with the Casey crew. Welcome. Yes, we're back at it. Uh, this has been a, a couple of, uh, these, these last couple of weeks have been crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Explain yourself. I'm sure you guys have seen we have been in Disney for like the last 10 days. Yes. Took a little family vacation. It was actually the baby's birthdays. Yes. The four-year-old and five-year-old, Jackson and London, their birthdays. Well, it wasn't their birthday. It was their birthday present. That was yeah. their birthday celebration. Right. So while we were on vacation, we celebrated every day as though it was their birthday. Correct. So every single time that we went out to eat, there was cupcakes or cakes brought to the table. They blew out candles, maybe maybe seven or eight times. Absolutely. Uh, we sang happy birthday to them seven or eight times. It was incredible for them. But they had a, a great time. But we'll tell you about that uh, in the in the regular podcast. Casey we'll, Crew Podcast. In the Casey Crew Podcast. Yes. We'll fill you in all the details. So if you're thinking of going to Disney or you're planning for Disney, we'll fill you in of everything that you need to do, need to know where you need to go. All that will give you a full detail about the trip, what to stay away from, what to do, all that. Yes, there's going to be a full-on Disney tutorial. Right. Because I feel as though we learned everything that there is to know. Well, not only Disney. Because it's more than Disney. Right. Universal. Disney, Universal. SeaWorld. SeaWorld. Um, Universal Studios, Volcano Bay. Uh, we did... Um, Gatorland. Uh, Wild Florida. Wild, we'll, tell, we'll tell you all we about that. We did a whole bunch of stuff. Disney right. Springs, um, the town called Celebrations. Every, we'll, we'll explain yeah, it. We'll, we, explain we'll, it. we'll talk about all of that. And also, don't forget, you know, shout out to everybody. You know, we're doing our live show July 27th. Uh, there are less than 100 tickets left. So yes. the tickets are flying. So definitely get your tickets. It's a Friday night. It's date night. Uh, I know a lot of you was like, hey, Envy, you always do it on a Monday. It's hard to get a babysitter. Well, we did it on a Friday. Uh, the venue holds more seating arrangements, so it can seat you know, majority of you. So get your tickets now. And of course, after we always do comedy. So this time, of course, we have Rip Michaels hosting and we have major hype, major hype. Yes, that was my request. That's right. That's who I wanted to perform because I follow him on Instagram and he is hysterical. And being, you know, from Caribbean heritage, I find his humor particularly Funny. Right. So can't so, wait to see him that night. So he'll be doing comedy that night. So if you don't know, we do the podcast for about 45 minutes to an hour. And then we take your questions for about 30 minutes, whatever questions you got, whether it's relationship, parent base, whatever you need. And then the comedians uh, really take us out and, and take us home. So Major Hype will be doing the comedy set. And then again, the tickets, July 27th, Ticketmaster.com. Get your tickets right now. And hopefully we'll see you guys July 27th. Yes. So in some major news that just happened, LeBron James is joining the Lakers. Wow. He signed a four-year, $154 million deal. Wow. Now, let's talk about this. People say he has no loyalty to his team. Well, first of all, you're going to have to educate some of the females that, you know, might have watched the finals okay. but don't know don't know, no. Okay. So you said he signed a four-year, $154 million contract. Correct. Do you have any idea what his last contract was? Uh, he was making them around the same. He, he's maxed out. So he makes between, I think, like 33 and $38 million a year. That's what he makes a year, playing basketball. Okay. Now, um, if you don't know, he started off at the Cavaliers. He's actually, he's from Ohio. So he started mm -hmm. off in the Cavaliers. He played there for a couple years. Then he went to the Miami Heat. 
Right. When he went to the Miami Heat, Cleveland was devastated. Uh, was devastated. Ohio was devastated. Mm-hmm. They pulled down his statue. They burnt his jersey. He played in Miami for a couple of years and then went back to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And they loved him. So they they welcomed him with open arms. Hell yeah, he's the best player in the NBA. Of course. So now he's decided to play with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And people are pissed. They're saying this this messes up his legacy. They compare him to Jordan and say, you know, Jordan would never leave and this, that, and the other. And mm-hmm. people are pissed off about it. Well, tell me what you think about um, it. At first, I was one of those heads that at, at first believed that, you know, why would he leave? This is his legacy. He's supposed what do you to mean st- at first? We just found out like 12 minutes ago. No, no, ago. the first time he left. Because remember, oh, he left at first. <laughs> like you had all this time no, to no, 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 be no, conflicted? No, he left. Remember, he left, he left at first and went to Miami. Oh, okay. And at first, first people were saying, you did this. but And I was feeling the same way, like your legacy. But then I thought about it. And I'm like, no, it's, it's a different time in the NBA. Like, he's trying to win, you know, and he's trying to beat teams and he's trying to base his team to win a championship. And he knows with teams like the Warriors who are stacked, Mm -hmm. you know, you have uh, Steph Curry, you have Thompson, you have Durant, you have all the, like, it's a stacked team. Draymond Mm -hmm. Green, it's a stacked team and he wants to win. And to to win, I, I don't think he feels like his Cleveland team can win. I don't think he, he, right, he can pull enough he, pieces. They've gone, they've gone to the finals twice, right, and lost twice to right. the same team, right. And you know, I, I feel like he he's trying to create a team that will help him win. And I don't think he can win. A, he can win in Cleveland. And also, I really think LeBron is planning for his future. Mm-hmm. And when I say planning for his future, he's uh, heavily investing into TV and production. So he has a whole TV and production department that's based out of LA, where he's he's doing TV shows, he's doing movies, he's doing documentaries. He's producing? He's producing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's that's where he's going. I mean, I think this, he's doing a four-year contract. I think that's it for him after this four years. I think it's a wrap. I mm. think that's it. He's going to retire in, in L.A. and then he'll live in L.A. His kids are, you know, registered his kids in school in L.A. And I think he's looking for his future, you know, and I know Cleveland is mad and people are mad, but I don't think, I think it's based on him. What do you think? Um, I think a couple of things. I'm going to say now what I thought when they lost the finals. Mm-hmm. That night when we're watching and they lost, I said to myself, you know, I feel as though LeBron probably thinks or feels that all of his hard work uh-huh. is in vain. Right. Because in a sense, in a lot of ways, not completely, but... You know, one could argue that he's carrying his team. He is. Not in a sense, he is. I mean, I don't want to discredit... The man got triple doubles. I don't want to discredit any of the other players that are busting their ass on the court as well. I mean, he's like a superhuman. Right. So, um, in comparison, they may fall short, but that doesn't mean that they're not great in their own right. So, I don't want to cut them short. Um, So, like I said, some can argue that he's carrying the team but he's one man and you know I guess people there were people that watched the finals thinking that he can do it he right. can do it he might be able to pull it off hopefully he can pull it off and then after losing two years in a row to the same team maybe he's come to terms with the idea that he can't pull it off right he's only a man a super man in a sense but you know he can't do everything right so I think that He's taking this opportunity to be selfish mm-hmm. and not in a bad way. I'm not saying selfish, um, insinuating that it's a negative thing, mm-hmm. but selfish in the sense where, you know, 
I played basketball since I was a tot. And my whole life, all I wanted to do was make it to the championships and win the championships. And looking out for Cleveland might be holding him and his dreams back. Right, and, and, he, so, and he got Cleveland a chip. He got him a championship three years ago. So mm-hmm. he did get a ring, you know? He did get him a ring. So he did what he was supposed to do. Right, but I think that he wants to continue to get rings. Yes, I think that he wants personally. to... Yeah, I mean, maybe one isn't enough. Maybe at the level of his greatness, mm-hmm. he feels as though he should be on top every year. Yeah. And I... I don't know that I can fault him for that. All right. I, I mean, I, you know, like I said, selfish, is, selfish isn't always a bad thing. So I'm sure that the people of Cleveland will be or are livid. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people have to do things with their own best interest in mind. Right. You know, you know, I, I wish LeBron the best and I want him to continue to win. I just. But I don't know what you think. You, you sound like you're wrapping up. No. Do you think that it's a good thing that he. Switched over. Yeah, to I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for himself. The Lakers, and I, I and I think with Magic Johnson at the helm, because Magic Johnson is the one that's running the Lakers right now. I think he's going to get the pieces and the necessary pieces, and and I think with LeBron in LA, it brings a, a new found. Um, I don't want to say a new found, but it brings the hype back to LA that hasn't been there since Kobe left a couple of years ago. Who's on, who's, who plays for LA right now? So uh, who are the big who are the big players? And nobody who else right are now. They anticipating nobody really right now. Okay, just, just so a kid. Just the kid Alonzo Ball, but I think right. people would rather play for the Lakers than play for Cleveland. I don't think anybody wants so to play for Cleveland. So you think the Lakers is going to get some more players to stack Absolutely. the deck? Absolutely. Yeah, everybody wants to play for the Lakers. But let me ask you this. Is it not strange that he made that decision before he saw how the team was already stacked? But I think Doesn't with, he have the power to sit back and see how the does. chips fall and then decide where he wants to go? I think That's he, what I would do. I think he does, but I think he also knows he has the power that when he goes, everybody will want to go. You know? It's kind of like... Is that the case? Because at the same time, you think about it. Do you want to be on a team where you play in someone's shadow the entire time? Well, you're going to be playing... Like, LeBron is the best player in the league. Right. So maybe I don't want to be on his team. So, I mean... But you, <laughs> like, but you, but you, you know but, what I mean? But you also want to win a championship. And it's like, you know that you have to face, regardless, you're going to have to face Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Thompson. And you're going to need somebody that's going to that's gonna be willing to play against them. And, you know, you could be the best play the best player on the worst team... Or you could be the second best and win a ring. Same thing. It all depends uh-huh. on in, in how you look at it, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like uh, you know, I think. But that you don't have to be on his team to be able to compete. I just think that it needs a team needs to have the right players in the right positions. Um, that's true. Like, like you look at like you look at Golden um, at Golden State. The they, Warriors, yeah. Excuse me. They had the Warriors, huh? Yeah, they have Steph and they mm-hmm. have Durant and they have you know. Everybody else that's amazing on that team. But it's stacked nicely. Right. You know, like, I don't think that any one of those players are better than LeBron. Mm-hmm. But together, they beat LeBron. So as a player trying to decide what team that I want to be on, I might more so look at how the deck is stacked, not necessarily thinking that I have to play with LeBron in order to beat the Warriors, right? I just, I just think with, with LeBron is, is he jumps on that Laker team. Everybody else that was thinking can just now decide I want to play with him. Like playing for the Lakers is kind of like playing for the Yankees in baseball. It's the best franchise in baseball. You want to play for the Yankees, you know? So what you mean? think that the Lakers is the best franchise in basketball? In basketball, yes. As far as people playing for them, yes, absolutely. What do you mean? 
I mean, I think I it's just, just haven't heard too much hype about the Lakers. Them. Is always one of those hype teams. It's like I haven't heard anything about them recently. In the I past mean, few years. Well, I mean, Kobe's retired, but they're right. trying to rebuild, and and they can rebuild with people like. So you kind of mean like historically, historically, not currently. Yes. Yeah, oh, historically. Okay. Got it. So I think it's one of those teams, and I think he'll get a lot of people to follow. And I don't know how he will hold up against the Warriors because the Warriors is still a, an amazing team. But I guess we'll just have to see. Do you think people will support him? Uh, there's a lot of LeBron lovers out there. You know, and I think they will follow him. Cleveland, no. But I even like LeBron. I want to see LeBron win. I'm a New York Knicks fan, but I want to see LeBron win. So that's who you were rooting for? Yeah, absolutely. You were rooting for them and not Golden State? Absolutely. Really? Yeah, I was rooting for LeBron. I wanted LeBron to win. He's I mean, un- we watched it together. I didn't really... Yeah, he's the underdog right now. Like, people love to hate on him and... I love the f- I love what he does for the league. I love what he does for the players. I love he's how he's a crybaby to me. He cries a little like bit. Like when I don't know when I watch them play, I just feel like he's complaining about everything. But I also feel like it agitates he gets, me a little bit. I, I also feel like because they look at him as the crybaby or because they look at him as the villain, they don't necessarily give him the calls. Like they, it's like Floyd Mayweather. Like they right, want, I understand people want Floyd Mayweather to lose. You know what I mean? But he's the best, and he will continue to win. And that's how I look at LeBron. I think LeBron is the best. And I mean, when a man is scoring a triple double forty. Points, 45 points, 15 rebounds, 10 assists, and busting his ass out there and getting fucked up, getting fouled all the time. It's like, I get it. You know, I, I would be a crybaby too. You would be a crybaby. Well, you Absolutely. probably would be. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, so let's move on. All right, did you hear about Ty Dallasan? No. All right, well, Ty Dallasan was on a flight, and uh, I guess he's allergic to dogs. Mm-hmm. So sitting behind him was a blind lady with her uh, seeing eye dog. Okay. And uh, Ty, Ty Dallasan tried to get uh, the dog and the woman thrown off the plane. Wow, he couldn't <laughs> just have her like move to the back. Or well, move they to tried the front that. Or just they tried away that. From him. Well, they 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 tried that. They said Ty Dallasan, would you like to sit in the back of the plane? You know, because the dog was in the second row, and he was like, "No, I paid for my first class ticket." Of course, and she was in first class too. Obviously, I don't she know. If she's sitting, in first class. If she was sitting right behind him then she either had to be in first class or he was the last seat in first class and she was in delta comfort right behind there i don't think it was delta it was actually air canada so um well the air canada comfort extra yeah. leg room she had to be in one of those seats if she was sitting right behind him and he was in first class clearly if he's in first class and he paid a first class ticket he's not moving to the back of the plane well i wouldn't move to the back of the th- plane that was the option so you know the the guy. I guess the wait. Um, they didn't. They didn't offer to move her to the back of the plane. No, and this is the reason why. Why? I guess, and and I don't know because I don't have any allergies. But I guess when you take these planes and you take these flights, if you tell them beforehand, hey, I'm I'm you know I'm blind. I have a CNI dog. Mm-hmm. That when they put it in the system, that's how they put it in. And if Ty Dallasan would have said, hey, I'm allergic to dogs. Don't have dogs on this plane. That's not his job to tell you, you, you them do. that he's. Yeah, you do. Allergic to You yeah, know, you absolutely do. Like sometimes, I don't know if you remember, like sometimes you take a plane and be like, hey, because of uh, we have somebody on the flight that's allergic to nuts, we we are not going to be serving any bars, any chocolate bars with nuts or serving any that almonds and nuts. I've never seen that, but that makes sense. It happens as long as you tell people that. that's given to everyone. And, you know, sometimes if you have a nut allergy, you can't be near nuts. Mm-hmm. So that well, makes sense. So you think that he should have told... When he made when he made his flight reservation, you think that he should have made yeah, them aware they have a little thing to have any allergies. You put allergic to dog, and that, that they would make sure that there were no dogs close to him in the vicinity or no dogs on the plane. Okay, so go ahead. That was their defense. Go ahead. No, they didn't do that. So they would like either you move to the back They're or like suffer, or you got to suffer. So he had to suffer on that flight. Well, what was his allergy? Like allergies to dogs. No, no, no. I mean, what was his symptoms? 
I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm, I, don't I mean, if he's sneezing, it's not the world's worst thing. How long was the flight? Do you have any idea? Uh, I'm not sure. It was a short flight. It wasn't a long flight. But you know, um, it's a two-hour flight, and you're sneezing. But you know, like if you have a shellfish allergy, your throat closes but up. I think, you I can think break out people, into hives. It's. I think <laughs> to, some people their, their throats close up a little bit. Yeah, that's I think what I'm saying. I'm, I mean, I'm I don't. Sure. I don't have any allergies, so I don't really know. But I just I'm aware of some symptoms, and I'm thinking that. If he had a serious um, reaction to the dog, regardless of whether he made them aware or not, they should have accommodated the situation and she should have been happy to accommodate the situation as well. Well, they, they were in a sticky situation. She was like, I ain't moving. I made the phone call. I said I was having a dog on this flight. And he was like, I paid for a first class seat. I ain't moving to the back. So now you're in a sticky situation. What do you do? The only reason why I think that both of them wouldn't want to move is if they were both in first class. Maybe they were both in first class. If they're both in first class. She wasn't moving, he wasn't moving, so now he had to suffer. All right, so that's how it ended? Yeah, he suffered the whole flight. All right, there you go. I just just thought it was funny that he has to blindly (laughs) to get off the flight. Well, to get off the flight. Or remove your dog. Like, look, look, Ma, you gotta go. I gotta show the catcher. I gotta get this money. I gotta get this bag. (laughs) This is the last flight out. You and me. Uh Uh-huh. But anyway, let's now let's close this uh, podcast out this show out with uh, something sad that we didn't talk about because like I said we've been running around for the last two weeks um, now a, a young man by the name of Lissandro Guzman Feliz uh, probably better known as Junior was stabbed in the Bronx now I know you guys have probably seen this video tons of times and over and over and over again if you haven't let me break it down um, the video that we see there's a young man running into a bodega. Uh, five, six kids running in, in behind him, dragging him out. Hold on. Five, six kids? Or five, six men or five, six dudes, five, six people. Five, six males because they ranged in, from what I understand, 14, age 14 to, to like 25, 20 26. something. Mm-hmm. Dragged him out and uh, was stabbing him and cutting him with knives, machetes and all types of things. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. He tried to run back in. Um, they're saying allegedly that the bodega owners or somebody in the bodega told him to get out. Uh, a hospital was about two, three blocks away. He ran to the hospital uh, and pretty much passed out and died in front of the hospital. Right. It was all over the news. Very sad. Uh, this hit very close to home because we have a 14-year-old. Right. You know, we have boys. We have girls. We have kids. And to see this is just horrific. And then to find out that these guys murdered him. Murdered as a result of mistaken identity. Murdered him as a result of mistaken identity. You know? Uh, which is very sad, you know? And um This goes a little deeper than, you know, everybody, you know, saying, Oh, it's good for them, this, that, and the yada yada yada, because I believe uh they they arrested eight people that were involved with the situation and you know watching these eight people go to court and, and getting their their charges and them crying and this that and the other and I feel bad for those eight kids for those eight males and I feel bad for Junior I feel bad for the whole situation now I'm gonna break it down how I feel and you tell me what you think right um don't judge him yet. Right. I know um, because sitting here listening to you say that and you're about to break down your thoughts mm-hmm. and explain it. Right. But if I were listening, just hearing you intro by saying that, I would be tight. 
<laughs> so I just want to make sure that everyone listening gives you a chance to explain because I know why you feel that way. Right. So now, you know, I, 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 now I'm looking at it from, from, from three different angles. One, I look at, at the young man, Junior. Rest in peace to Junior. And, you know, listening to his mom speak on, you know, doing interviews and, 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 and just speaking. She has so much courage. And, and it's just amazing that, that she has that much strength. But, you know, 15-year-old boy goes downstairs to the bodega or goes downstairs and these guys are chasing him and, and he runs into the bodega. You know, um, the bodega owner doesn't necessarily help. Well, first, before before you go into that part, um, let's talk about the mistaken identity. Mm-hmm. I think that everybody pretty much knows the story, but there may be some listeners that don't. So let's just cover it briefly. I'm not really sure, but this is what they've been saying. They've been saying that um, now he was murdered by a gang, a gang that's right. big in the Dominican Republic. I don't know the name of the gang. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. And they're big here. Yeah, they're big here. They're big here. It's a Dominican gang, right. I guess, predominantly at, at least. And they're very, very big here. Very, very big here. Now, uh, allegedly, they're saying that uh, one of the gang members' sisters was uh had sex with a man and another man was in the room taping it and the man that was taping it i guess favored junior a little bit light skin curly hair and that's who they were trying to kill allegedly right um mistaken identity they killed the young boy the Mm -hmm. wrong boy um junior runs into this Bodega. I guess he sees the boys coming at him. He runs into the bodega. When he runs into the bodega, the bodega owner doesn't necessarily protect him. Kind of get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys run in and they drag him out. Right. People are mad at the bodega owner. You know, they, they're trying to close the bodega because they're saying that the bodega owner didn't help. And I sat and I thought about this. And I thought about it hard. And I said, you know, why wouldn't the bodega owner help? Right. You know? If I owned a bodega, would I help? And I thought about it, and I'm said, okay. If I if if I'm if I own a bodega in the Bronx, or if I own a bodega anywhere, and that area there's a lot of crime in that area. The Bronx has one of the the, the most crime ridden places in New York right now. So that means if I help this young boy, and I don't know what who this young boy is, if See, I don't know who he is, hold on, that's the thing. If I if I know who the young boy is, and I know he's a good kid, I have to help him. That's because I know he's not into trouble and I got to protect him. Right. But if I don't know him and and you know nothing of the and I know nothing about him and I know that this town, this this area is run by gangs. Do I put myself to protect somebody I don't know? And then I become part of that, meaning because I protected him. Do they shoot up the the bodega every day? Do they stab me and rob me every day if I don't know family? Right. um, You know, mess with my family. But if I know this young boy who they say was a good boy, a happy boy, wanted to be a police officer. I got to protect him. Even if it's worth my life and I know that this kid is a good kid, I got to protect this kid. You know? Now, I don't know if the bodega owner knew the kid, if he didn't know the kid, but if he lived in the area, I'm assuming that he did. That would be the assumption. And if I knew he was a good kid... It would be the logical assumption because from what I understand, and you know, we're hearing the story the same way that everybody else is hearing the story right Uh Um, but from what I understand allegedly a friend of his asked him to borrow five dollars and he asked his mother if he could go downstairs to give his friend the money and Mm -hmm. his mother said okay he went downstairs he was spotted 
They thought that he was someone else. They chased him. He ran into the bodega. Right. And then it all unfolded from there. Mm-hmm. Um, if he just ran downstairs to the bodega, you would think, or or in the vicinity of the bodega, you would think that it's in, clearly it's in his neighborhood. Correct. And you would think that, I mean, I think it would be relatively safe to assume that he probably frequented that bodega. Mm-hmm. So... I would think, to say the least, the bodega owners were familiar with him. But just because they're familiar, probably it, it doesn't mean that they knew whether he was a good kid or a bad kid or whatever. It might just be like, you know, you go in there and you buy a Coke and a pack of gum and right. some, some, some lifesavers and they're out. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So I don't necessarily think that it's fair um, to just jump to the conclusion because when I saw the video... I mean, and just like everybody, like tears mm-hmm. rolling down my face, and I'm sure most people can relate. That was one of the most heartbreaking things that I've ever seen in my entire life. Absolutely. So the conclusion that I jumped to immediately is how could they not help him? Right. They just watched this happen. How could they not help him? But then, you know, when you settle down a little bit and you get over your anger, you really have to put things in perspective. And I just think that people shouldn't be so quick to jump to conclusions. Um, let's just say, hypothetically, that Junior wasn't the amazing kid that we all learned that he is. You right. know, you watch the videos of him dancing and playing around and joking around with his friends. And, you know, clearly he was an amazing kid. But let's say that he wasn't. Let's say he was cut from the same cloth as one of the men that murdered him. Correct. And the whole debacle was a result of, you know, one gang versus another gang. Right. Or, you know, whatever. And the bodega owner said, you know what? I'm just going to steer clear of this. Right. Just everybody get out. Like, I'm locking my door. I have a family to get home to. Then people might not see it the same way. But because, you know, we see all these videos and he's a great kid, he had nothing to do with bang with gangs and he was murdered. He was slaughtered outside of that bodega. The first thing that you want to say is hang the bodega owners because that's how I felt, Mm -hmm. you know. But sometimes we just I think that we just have to think a little bit more deeply about things and look at things from other perspectives so that we can have um, a better understanding of what may or may not have occurred. Right. But on the flip side, they may have known Junior. They may have been familiar with him. They may have known that he was a good kid and turned their backs on him anyway. Right. All I'm saying is that we don't know. But see, but in that case, then, yeah, I I understand the outrage, but... I learned a long time ago, not everybody's built the same. And with that excuse, mm. when um, when I got robbed, right? Remember when, when the Which gunman time? came up to me and tried to rob me okay. in the city? Mm-hmm. Um, You said, which time? I only got robbed one time. Well, once one time you got robbed, the second time it was an attempted robbery. Right. Right. But when um, I was with four people when a robbery happened. I don't know if you remember. I was with four no, people when the robbery happened. I don't happened. remember that. I thought you were when those guys came one out, person. When the guy came out with the guns to rob me, mm-hmm. I was with four people. Two people ran. And one person stayed by my side. Okay, so this was... Um, oh, shoot. This was... Uh, how many years ago? 
Um, this might have been 15 years ago. Yeah. Mm, no, maybe like 12, 13 maybe 12, years 13 ago. Something years ago. like that, right? I don't know if you remember, but... Am I, is my memory that bad? Because I'm thinking if two people ran... is. Uh, we're, we're not friendly with those two people. We must well, not be. Well, let me explain to you. Two people, four, it was four of us in the car, right? It was four of us walking to my car. To, approaching the four, car. Four of us walking to my car. Uh-huh. Two guys came to rob me. One guy pulled out a gun and right. tried and tried to rob me. Right. When the four people seen the guys trying to rob, two guys took off running. Back to the club. Um, I really need to pull this mic aside really quick. I need to know what two people you're talking about because... Um, I'll tell you later, but okay. And then once, so you mean it was you plus three people? And it was me one, plus three people. Right, two people so ran, and then it was me and one, Derek that stood there. Right, right, right. right? Mm-hmm. And you know when we chased the guys that just robbed hold a us, minute, just really quick, just mouth. You won't know who it is. I'd have to write it down. Oh, I don't know who it. Okay, you, you know who you know who it is. But if I, I would have to. They're tell not you friends who it is. of ours. No. Okay, go ahead. I mean, but they used to come out with me a, a lot frequently. Okay, all right. But anyway, people were mad at them, like. I remember my friends were like, yo, I'm, I'm, yo, we should go fuck them up. Like, yo, we should go beat them up. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't mad. And they was like, why are you not mad? We should go fuck them up. They left you. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's not their character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you, I don't it, really know you because I don't know who you're talking I'm, I'm about. To you. But I understand if you go out with somebody and there's five saying. of y'all, right? No, I understand what you you're saying. You know one person's not going to fight. So mm-hmm. if they don't fight, you're not mad because you know that's not what they built for. Right, right. So the, I wasn't they're not mad cut from that cloth. I right. wasn't mad because I knew they weren't cut from that cloth. Right. People were mad about. Oh, you should. I. I know. I understand what you're saying. I, like I expected them to do that. Mm-hmm. If they didn't, I would feel this. I'm like, oh, he didn't. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, he didn't have my back. You understand what I'm saying? Then you'd be surprised. But if you, but that's how I. If you don't have that expectation, then right. you're not surprised. So I never. I mean, I still see the person out. He still comes out mm-hmm. and I don't have any problem with him because I just know he's not built that way and I'm not mad at him. Okay, I've never yeah, been mad at him that. because I know he's not built like that. Mm-hmm. Like if it would have been, let's say my manager June and we got into a situation and June ran. You'd be shocked. I would be shocked and pissed and I could probably never fuck with June again because we've been in, in tight situations where shit almost popped off a million and one times and I looked at him as a brother. I would fight for him and I, I know he would fight for me. Mm-hmm. But those dudes, I knew weren't going to fight and I was cool with that. Right. So this uh, bodega owner might be that type of dude. Like everybody's not built like that. Everybody's not willing to take a bullet or or, or confrontational. So I get it. I understand. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, and I'm not mad at and, him. I, I get it. If, and if, if he's that type of person, he's that type of person. To put it in perspective, realistically, um, if he would have tried to help, he probably would have wound up dead as well. Maybe. It's I very, mean, it's or, very likely. Or he could have um, scared the guys off. You know what I mean? Maybe he would have uh, got That doesn't a, sound like we have to be realistic, right? Like these were savages. These were animals. These were monsters. They weren't going to be scared off by the bodega owner. But a lot of they times... Were out, he, he would have been grossly outnumbered. They would have attacked him as well. I think that is very, very safe to say. But you and I both know a lot of people fold under pressure. Like, we've been in situations six ma- where... Six males they, are not going to fold under pressure because the, the bodega owner said, get out of here, leave him alone. I, come on, let's, like, let's be yeah, realistic. I, I, I guess you're that right. is not... Like, we right. have to be realistic when you look right. at these situations. He probably would have... Ended up mortally wounded or dead as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is realistic. Well, for me personally, I so, would have so, took, wait, wait, let me just say, I took so, that for that young man. But that's what I'm saying. So you would have to take for granted that if he did that, 
that meant that would that would have meant that he was willing to give up his life for another person and that he might not know that he, did, that, that doesn't he, know. That right. he may not know may not know well or may not have known if he was a good person or not right you know what I mean I you know it's funny um when we were away um we were talking about sacrifices you know we were with some friends and whatnot and we were talking about sacrifices mm-hmm. I was actually talking to Mercedes and we were discussing whether you would sell your pinky for a million dollars or mm-hmm. not. Most people in the conversation said, yes, they would sell their pinky right. for a million dollars. And mm-hmm. I said, no, I wouldn't sell my pinky. I would keep it simply because it's a part of my body right. and it's not worth a monetary value for me. So the conversation evolved and I said, I wouldn't sell my pinky for a million dollars, but I would give a lung or a leg for someone if it meant that if they didn't have it, that they would die. Right. And I was asked, well, would you do that for a stranger? I said, I would do it for a stranger. The only thing that I would need to know is that they were a good person. Right. I wouldn't sacrifice my life or a part of my body for someone who didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. You want to know that someone that you are giving to or sacrificing for is a good person. Right. So... I'm saying all that to say that you would have to take for granted that the bodega owner knew that he was a good person and knew that he was worth him getting in the middle of and potentially risking his life. Right. So we don't know if he knew him well. We don't know if he knew him at all. We don't know if he was a complete stranger to Junior. All I'm saying is that a little bit of thought may be worth taking when trying to decide how the bodega owner winds up. Does he deserve to have his bodega closed down? Does he deserve to have it reopened? Does do people, if it does reopen, should people patronize it, etc.? Right. That's all I'm saying. Right. And then, and then I said something earlier about I feel bad for the, the eight kids that were arrested. Right. You have to explain that. And the reason I feel bad was and, and when we were out in Florida, because like I said, we were in Disney World. We were speaking to somebody who who actually lived in the Bronx that moved from the Bronx to Orlando. And she was telling me about the gangs. And she was like, you know, this, the thing about this gang is, you know, they prey on kids that really have nothing. Right. You know, they prey on kids that don't necessarily have a father figure. They prey on kids that are broke and poor. Mm-hmm. They prey on kids that have low self-esteem. They prey on kids that have that need protection. So it was like a lot of these kids in this gang are, are not built like that. They are in this gang because they're scared. They said that, uh, she was telling me that this gang would go up to high schools and middle schools. And try and, to recruit And recruit kids. the kids. They would look for kids that don't have a parent picking them up. And, and pretty much say, you know what? We'll protect you. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure you don't get beat up. We'll make sure you don't get robbed, but we need you one of us. Mm-hmm. And they prey on that. We'll love you like a brother. We'll love you like a brother. You know, we'll love you like we're your father. And then when I seen these kids, these kids getting in, when they were reading their, their charges and, you know, one kid was crying and they have their heads down. I was like, I really don't think, and, and this is going to sound so crazy, but these kids were, were doing something that they thought was a brotherhood, that they thought was cool to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at a 14-year-old part of the gang and he's slicing and stabbing. Like, what does a 14-year-old kid know? Right. All he knows is, my friends are doing it, I'm going to do it too. And that just got him probably 25 years to life But in not prison. even, but that's kind of simplifying, isn't it? I don't think that it's necessarily my friends are doing it, I'm going to do it too. Um, a hit was put out on this kid. Right. 
a hit mm-hmm. was put out on this person that the gang felt offended them. So they were out and it was premeditated. I mean, literally, these yeah, kids are walking around. Absolutely, yeah. Kids, men, whatever they are, these males were walking around with machetes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's obvious that they're probably working with the mentality of brotherhood. Right. Not necessarily my friends are doing it. It's not like a peer pressure type yeah. thing, really. It's more so whoever in their gang was the brother of this female that was in the video, you know, they probably figured that they're doing him a solid. They're looking out for him. I don't even they're, think they're doing him. I they're think they avenging, had to. They're avenging that situation. No, I think they had to. It wasn't like we're doing well, it. I think, we're, was like, I, you I think know, that was an order. I don't really want to guess yeah. about whether it was an order or whether it was voluntarily because either way, it doesn't really matter. It's part of the culture of being in a gang. In a gang. If someone offends someone in the gang, we're going to get them. Right. We're brothers. We're a team. All for one, one for all. You know, so whether they were made to do it or whether they did it of their own volition, you know, I don't. I don't really know that that matters. But that's the mentality. But that's, that's, that's of them my kids, point. Man. It's the culture. It's the mentality, and it's kind of like a brainwashing. It is. It's a and, brainwashing. And that's where I think that you're coming from when you say that you feel bad for right. these young men. I Who mean, the youngest fourteen fathers or parents or you know, a not figure. not so much for the ones in the in their twenties. I have to give that a little bit more thought uh-huh. and, and be realistic about how I feel about it because maybe, you know, as you come up in that culture, like your brain is completely washed and, and that that's your reality and, you know, that's your version of right and wrong. So maybe if you're um, groomed from a young boy, okay, maybe, yeah. Um, I feel worse for the younger ones because right. it's like they don't even really have a chance to... To know right from wrong, because as soon as they're really starting to form that and become young men, it's sort of, that is already kind of taken from them, and that's the gang culture. But you know what it is? They have no choice. You know, you got to think about it like this. Well, what do you I, mean they don't have any choice? I'm explaining. To you, I'm a four, I'm 14 years old, right? Let's, you always have a choice. Let's, let's say, I, well, I'm, I'm explaining. I have no father, right? I'm 14 year old. I'm walking home, and these older kids are bullying me, picking on me, or whatever, smacking me in the back of the head. And now they say, this yo, is a hypothetical, hypothetical. situation. Now right. they're saying, mm-hmm. yo, join this gang and you ain't got to worry about that. You're one of us. We protect you. We're brothers. I don't have anybody to go to. I can't go to my mom. I can't tell because if I tell, I'm going to get fucked up tomorrow. You see what I'm saying? There is no protection. There is no cop that's going to say, young man, I'll walk you home every day. So now it's almost like you're, you're forced. If you don't move, you got to deal with this every day but, of your okay, life going hold to school. So that, that's like a hypothetical situation. And I think that right? happens a where, lot. Where it could be the situation or it doesn't necessarily have to be a situation. I'm sure that that's the situation for many young men that join mm-hmm. gangs. But I don't know if it was a situation for these people. These people just maybe wanted to be down, maybe had a cousin, a brother, an uncle, that or something that... Or someone that was in it and they thought that that was cool or they saw the benefits of being in it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to assume why these men joined the gang, Um, but it could. It could be something along those lines. But I think that it's safe to say that it's definitely about brotherhood being on a team and being protected. Absolutely. And I think part of it may be, you know, just wanting to be cool, wanting to be down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all starts from weak-minded people, young men, because mm-hmm. they 
very likely don't have a father figure or a strong father figure in their life, you know, right. or they could have a father figure. They could have a strong father figure or you might have a good man as a father who works a lot. That's not there. You're and right. Isn't there. You're right. Because he's holding down the family and he's, you know, providing and, you know, he might work around the clock. He might work a graveyard shift when he's home in the day. He might be sleeping. You're so right. he might not be fathering in a way that a young man might need someone to father. Because he's so, trying to provide. Because he's trying to provide. It can be a whole array of situations. But for the young men that fall into that trap because they don't have leadership in their lives, that is sad. It's very sad. Let's not take away from the fact that there are young men that do have a father figure and just want to be cool. Right. Want to be down, and, and or may just be, or may just be bad seeds. You're not talking about those people, not at all. You're talking about the potential that maybe some of these young men who are involved may have fallen into a trap, right? In a sense, and that I think the whole world can agree that that's a sad situation. Yeah, because I, I don't think a, I don't think a 14 year old runs around trying to be a savage. I think trying he, to be a savage, trying to be evil, right. and say, you know what, my goal in life is to be a murderer. Yeah, I think he was following just the wrong people. Right. And, you, and you know what we have to do as people, and you know, and they always says it takes a village to raise a, a child. Mm-hmm. And we have to start when we see something or see something going wrong that's, that's happening that's wrong, mm-hmm. we have to start putting ourselves in that situation and trying to help those kids. In what way? Um, well, it's funny that you said that. Um, they they say in the Bronx, and I'm from Queens. I'm not even from the Bronx. I'm from Queens. Um, they say that there's a lot of crime in the Bronx, and they say a lot of that crime is due to kids don't really have anything to do. There's nothing to do. Yeah. So, But that's that's also the reason, like, my, my um, roommate in college, well, okay, I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> but... Not even not even her, but a lot of people that I know mm-hmm. who came from small towns say that they started having sex at a young age because there was nothing to do. Right. So after school, they would go and hang out with each other, hang out in each other's basements and have sex right. like they had nothing to do like the sports programs might not have been strong there may not have been boys and girls clubs or YMCAs or just other extracurricular after school programs or activities so they either wound up getting in trouble or and or having sex right so so what 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 we're gonna do is we're gonna try to well we're not even gonna try we're gonna start this Sunday we started a, a Bronx a Bronx Youth Basketball League right and that's this Sunday shout to Scott LaRock mm-hmm. remember Scott LaRock uh, Boogie Down Productions. Yeah, remember he Boogie well he died, but his son still lives in the Bronx and his son is still doing oh, things. Oh really? Uh huh. Yeah, so we teamed up with him and in Top Pop, and we're gonna start basketball tournaments. Oh, okay. So we're gonna start next Sunday. Our ages. Heard you talking about twelve that. to nineteen. Okay. So and it's solidified. Sunday, it's solidified this mm-hmm. Sunday, July eighth, and um, we're gonna have basketball tournaments. We're gonna go out there. We're gonna give them free food, free sodas. Our registration is free. We're going to provide the refs, the basketballs, and we're going to start doing that more and more and more where kids have things to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to get a lot of celebrities out there so kids want to go. Not like, oh, I don't want to go. No, I want to go and see, you know, whoever it is. So if you're from the Bronx and you listen, I, I want you to come on out and, and be a positive role model, man. Let's try to, I mean, it, it was heartbreaking to see this this 15-year-old stabbed up like that, you know, and listen. killed and He's a good kid. He wanted to be a police officer. He wanted to help his community. 
And if if we can, you know, help kids like that and, and help kids that are, are starting to go down the wrong road and maybe fix up. I mean, we got to do something because we can't we can't let them continue to kill our children. It's just I don't know. It's just that situation for me was I don't know. I think it's probably the toughest thing to digest mm-hmm. as far as things that have happened right. um, in the news like that. I don't I don't know. I think that it, like a lot of other people, it affected me in in a way that I can't recall another story affecting me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad, and 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 you know, like we just got to do our best to make sure that 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 doesn't happen again. You know that that we make sure that never happens again. And we have to provide these kids with programs. We have to provide these kids with guidance, and we have to be great role models so they can see that there's life outside of of what they see. That Let- no gangs and and no drug dealing and and no you know credit card scams and a lot of the stupid shit that we do stealing and you know these things are are marked on our live and a lot of times you know that's something that we can never get off you know kids don't think about that no but we have to start thinking and we have to start making them feel that way and and start looking at i mean that's a good it's a good thing that you just brought that up you know i make sure that with um madison and logan um from a very very young age I sat down and had repeated conversations with them about right and wrong and using examples like stealing. Mm -hmm. And I drilled into their minds since, I don't know, maybe five years old. I, I think we started having these conversations that taking anything that doesn't belong to you is not acceptable. Right. If it doesn't belong to you in any scope, it is not yours. You cannot hold on to it. Right, so, for instance, one day, um, Madison was still in the stroller, mm-hmm. and we went into the gap, and it was baby gap. And she took like a little, um, they had a little doll, like, I don't know, it was a little puppy or something right, like right. that. She took it and she was playing with it while, you know, she was in her stroller. I think she might have just taken it off a table or whatever. And, you know, I'm strolling around Baby Gap and mm-hmm. then we leave. And I don't know, probably I'm on the other side of the mall and I look down and I see that she has the puppy. And I said, okay, so we have to turn around. We have to go back to the gap. And we have to give this back to them. And she's like, why? We're already on the other side of the mall. And I said, because it does not belong right. to us. Even if it's four ninety nine, that's not our four ninety nine. It has to be returned. So for me, that was a lesson. It was instilling you know? in her mind at an early and, age. And Absolutely. Even even at you know their ages now. Like the other day, I was in a home goods store, and I bought a little glass box. And the glass box was a large size, and it had a smaller glass box inside of it, which was a smaller version of it. And when I took it to the register, I didn't know that the box was inside of it. Mm-hmm. So I paid my twenty nine ninety nine and left the store. And I was with Madison. And when I got home, and I'm unpackaging it I realized that the smaller box was inside of it right I got Madison in the car and we drove back to home goods to return it 
and she's 16. I already think that she understands and whatnot. But as parents, we have to lead by example. Absolutely. And that's my point. You know, you instill certain values in them from a young age and you continuously show them that those values still hold up throughout life because... I can't tell you. I remember growing up in Brooklyn. I can't tell you how many kids I knew that boosted. Right. That would go into a at the time it was Macy's. Would go into a Macy's with a brown paper bag. They would line it with aluminum foil and they would throw clothes in it and walk out. The sensors wouldn't go off because the aluminum foil, I guess, would block mm-hmm. the um, the signal. And most of my friends that stole got caught. Right. They got caught. I mean, it was like one, it was like bowling pins. One was going down after the next, you know, and and it was crazy. And it's like, now that's on your record because you're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And now, you know, you have something on your, like your your juvie record. You have to go before a judge. I know kids that did it in college and now it's on your permanent record. Right. And now you go to get a job and now you have to be ashamed that you have something like that on your record. Mm -hmm. You got to explain it. It's something that's permanent. So I always wanted to make sure that our kids knew like that's not something that you ever want to do. The little $30 that you make make out with the hundred dollars that you make out with whatever the value of whatever you stole could never be worth the consequences that you have to pay if you get caught and what wind up what, what usually winds up ha- happening is that people do it once they don't get caught they do it twice they don't get caught they do it three times now it kind of becomes like that's how people turn into kleptomaniacs yeah. because you do it for a long time and you never get caught and then when you don't get caught, you think that you can just go into any store. And then it's like, well, you know, what? I can't go into a store without coming out on the upside, right. without having getting something that I didn't pay for. And that's kind of how it evolves. Mm-hmm. So I just think that it's very important that that we parent and we and we take our parenting very seriously because kids fall into all types of traps. Absolutely. But again, rest in peace to to Junior and condolences to his family, his mother, his father, his his siblings, you know. You just don't want his his death to be in vain. You you want it to to people to get something out of it like, you know, gang violence, the the whatever it may be to to help your brother or sister if you see him out there, you know. Every time I look at him, I just think of our child. I just think of Logan, and I'm like, this is is sad. It could have been anybody's kid, just an innocent kid. It could have been anybody's, anybody's kid, you know, kid. And I think that's why it hurts everybody right. so badly because who he is as a young teenager right. represents all of our young teenagers. Absolutely, and I think. That's why so many people are in shambles over it. Yeah. You know, it's like you look like that could have been anybody's child. Yeah. And, I, and you know, it's crazy. I see his smile. I see the and little it, curly it, it hair. It reminds me of Logan. He reminds me of I see him dancing. It reminds me of Logan. I think Logan. that's and why like, I was ruined. Like that day that it happened and it was all over the media, all over Instagram. I was ruined for that day. Yeah. You know, like I. Like we couldn't have a good day. Right. You know, we just, we couldn't have a good day. Um, it was utterly heartbreaking. Absolutely. So I think that everybody feels the same. You just, you want something to come out of it. You want some lessons to be learned, especially by 
you know, young kids that may contemplate being in a gang or, you know, Absolutely. you want people to look at it like, wow, that, that was so horrible. I never want to be involved in anything like that or in any type of group of people that could decide someone's destiny. Absolutely. And like you said, we, we have to, to dive deeper into, you know, why this happened, you know, and again, rest in peace to, to, to Junior and, you know, condolences again to his family. him and his family Absolutely. every day since. So my sincere condolences to any member of his family and anyone that knew him. Absolutely. And, you know, we're going to try to make a change and, and we're going to start this Sunday and we're going to try to bring more programs, more things to communities where kids can think outside of gangs and think, hey, I want to play basketball. I want to play baseball. I want to I want to be a rapper. I want to be a DJ. I, I want to be, you know, a doctor, a lawyer. We're going to try to bring those programs to, you know, more communities where they can. And, and this Sunday, we're going to have a, a basketball tournament and we're going to start this Sunday. Shout out to Scott LaRock Jr. And hopefully we can get a lot of those Bronx artists out there to, to join. I just want to say one more thing yeah. before we wrap you just said that and it was so simple, but it struck something in my mind. You said in communities and that's really what it is. I think that a lot of neighborhoods are losing the sense of community. Mm. You know, a community is where, you know, people live together, you know, in a neighborhood and they come, they look after each other. Right. They help each other. Mm -hmm. You know, if something is going left, you know, you have the community there to pull it back right. Right. You know, and now I feel like we're kind of losing a sense of community. Like when I was growing up, there was like a neighborly feeling and there were gangs and stuff then. I'm not saying that there wasn't, but in our neighborhoods, there was a neighborly feeling like, you know, the house four houses down from my house like that mother or that father would get on my ass if I was doing something wrong out in the street right. and my parents would get on another neighbor's child's ass if they were doing something wrong out in the street whether it's dressing inappropriately using bad language picking on somebody whatever it was there was like a sense of community and I feel like that's kind of slipping now that might be a major component that because of the lack of it, kids that maybe don't have strong families or father figures or mother figures because girls go down a completely different road because they may not have a mother in the household or an aunt to look after them. You know, there's a whole a whole list of problems that could arise because of that, you right. know? Things that go on in the home really affect who we wind up being. Right. You know? So if you see that a household is lacking something like you're right. It's our job to kind of try to fill in in a sense as much as we can. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know when you said that it really just kind of, kind of struck something in me. Yeah. It it, it really is about in part community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, rest in peace again and condolences one more time. And uh, we'll see you guys in the Bronx on Sunday. And um, also, July 27th, we are doing our live podcast. We'd love to see you guys there. You can hit up Ticketmaster.com or SonyHall.com. Just search the KC crew. July 27th is a Friday night. We're going to do comedy. We're going to do our podcast. Shout out to Major Hype. He's going to be performing. 
Britt Michaels will be there. So get we your tickets now. We want to see all you Caribbean people out there because you guys will especially have a good time. Some other people might not be able to understand. Nah, <laughs> comedy. I don't, I don't know. But if you have a Caribbean friend, bring them with you. All right. Well, we'll see you guys in a couple of days for the next podcast. And hopefully you get your tickets and we'll see you July 27th. All right. Well, I'm DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And that was edition of Pillow Talk with the Casey Crew. Toodles. Toodles.